everyone, it's Leanne from the Alberta Motorcycle Safety Society and welcome to Think Bike, a podcast about all things motorcycle and the voice of motorcycle safety and awareness in Alberta. We will talk about everything from tips and myths on gear, maintenance, techniques, education, and so much more with our very informed guests. So thank you for joining us. On today's podcast, we are going to be discussing what do you do when you come up on a collision scene and how to manage that collision scene? And our guest to help us today is from the Alberta RCMP. It's Corporal Brian Johansson. Welcome to the show. Hello. <laughs> it's nice Thanks to see you. Me. You too. You're one of my favorite RCMP to interact with. Um, I don't know how you want to take that, but, but you are. You're always so helpful and um, always willing to join in on our fun. So we have a good partnership with um, police agencies across the province. Why, is, why do you think our relationships are important between AMSS and the RCMP? Well, you know what? I think in the end, we're all looking for the same thing. Our, our idea, the reason that traffic services is out there, the reason you guys are around, the reason um, other police forces are around is, is so that everybody's safe on the roadways, whether it be the person driving down the road, the person that's speeding, the person that's, you know, our, our job is to um, remind people that they need to obey the traffic laws and it's, and it, it is for their safety and it's for other people's safety. Um, you know, even a speeding vehicle, some, another vehicles at an intersection sees this vehicle off in the distance thinking, Oh, I've got lots of time to get into this intersection. Well, it's coming at you at 140 kilometers an hour. That closing distance is significantly less than if it's traveling 100 kilometers an hour. So not only does that one individual's driving behavior affect them, but it's also going to affect other drivers on the road and the safety of other drivers on the road. So, so really, us working as a group and working as a team benefits everybody in the long run so so everybody can make their way on their vacations make their way to work make their way to everywhere and get there safely and and hopefully without a ticket but <laughs> or without an incident I mean at the end of the day I think all of us involved in traffic safety regardless of what avenue you're coming from it's to reduce the serious injury and fatality collisions on our roadways and uh, and where you guys are out there enforcing the rules and regulations enacted by government, we're there to help promote the same messaging. And it's just right. all different ways of coming at it. Absolutely. Now, last year, we lost 21 riders in 20 different uh, fatality collisions. This year has not been off to a great start either with... Um, you know, nearing that double digits of uh, fatalities with uh, motorcycle collisions. If you were a bystander coming up on a scene, which, you know, we have received phone calls from friends of ours who have been in this situation, what would be the first thing you do as a bystander when you come up on a collision scene, uh, whether it's involving a motorcycle or not, doesn't matter, uh, an injury scene that has just occurred? What, what should you do? Well, ideally, I guess to state the obvious, the first thing is the safety and the, and the well-being of everybody there. So first thing we want to do is make sure that everybody's safe, secure. Um, we're getting the first aid that we can. 
on that note, we want to make sure that we activate emergency services as soon as we possibly can. So having a good idea of where you are, um, it's very difficult when we get phone calls of I'm by a hill somewhere and not knowing where they are um, and going off. Sometimes we get, you know, a cell phone will be a 33 kilometer, 33 kilometer radius. And it's very difficult to get that off of a cell phone, right? So having a good idea of where you are, what road you're traveling on, I, I'm 10 minutes out of Airdrie or, or something like that, right? Um, but like I say, I, the first thing we want to look after is the safety and the well-being and, and the health of everybody there. So if, if we are at an at a injury collision, we want to make sure that those people are being taken care of. We can do the first day that we possibly can keeping in mind that we want to, as we're doing that, um, you know, things like if you've got a motorcycle rider, we don't want to take that helmet off. I know they may be panicking a little bit under that helmet, but because motorcycle collisions are, are so hard on the body um, and necks and heads and internal bleeding and all this type of stuff, we want to try and get those people to stay as still as we possibly can. If it's available or if we can try and get some support on their neck and you know because they may not feel some of these injuries due to shock and, and other reasons so making sure that we're we're keeping them as as again safe as we possibly can without interfering and or causing more damage to their bodies right it's it's hard when you come up to a guy and he's he's yelling and screaming and and is in lots of pain and just wants that helmet off um but just reminding him and reminding everybody else that we need to wait for uh, paramedics or the proper personnel to be there to be able to do that properly, safely, so nobody, we, we don't make those injuries worse. Yeah, and on next week's episode um, from this one, we do talk with Adam Calver from Head On First Aid, who does do specific motorcycle first aid certified training which is better than me, not certified. So we, we'll, we get into, we'll get into that a little bit with him. Now you say keeping everybody safe on the scene. So that would be everybody. So we're talking a perimeter, traffic control. Like, would you say one person should really try and take charge and give people kind of jobs until first responders can get there? Well, ideally, we want to, you know, um, like I say, the, prim the primary focus is going to be on the, on the health and the well-being of the people involved in the collision. Secondly, um, making sure that traffic is aware that something's going on. But those people who are out there should be, don't stop in the middle of the road. Make sure you pull over to the side. Put your four ways on. Try and back up a little bit. Give yourself some space so you've got a bit of a safety pocket. So they see your vehicle flashing. They know that something's going on. Hopefully the people will slow down. If you've got something that's high visibility, definitely put something like that on. Um, even lots of, you know, running jackets and things like that have reflective capabilities or they have reflective um, striping on them. So, so people are aware and they're, hopefully they're slowing down. Um, Another part that we look at is maintaining our scene, right? Yes. So, so the part of the collision for us is, is not only the well-being of the people, but we've also got the work to do of investigating it. So um, you want to make the road as safe as you possibly can. If people are able to go past, yes. 
but if you are going to move something and ideally, you know, if the motorcycle is laying, we want to have the stuff where it came to rest, where it came to final rest is ideal for us. But we understand that if that's in the opposing lane and that's the only way that people can get past that it may be moved. I, I understand that that's what we're going to do as people to try and make everybody else be able to carry on. Right. Um, so if you are going to move something, like I say, ideally try and leave everything where it is. If you are going to move something, everybody's got one of these lovely cell phones that has a camera on it. Take a picture of where it came to rest. If you've got something there, you can mark it with. If there's some paint or even if you've got a Sharpie, like if you've got a picture and you can circle where it stopped or, or point an arrow to where the front tire was or something like that, at least it gives us a little more to work on so there's less guesswork. Yeah, there was an incident that I came up on um, out in BC once where a rider in front of me had laid down his bike and pushed away because a vehicle had done a three-point turn in the middle of two blind corners, which is common in BC and super fun for everyone else. And uh, luckily enough, there was one lane that was pretty open there was just like a little bit of debris from the plastics from the bike but everything else had stayed really in one lane and we had organized people to control traffic on either side to let five cars go this way and then stop and then let five cars go that way and then stop is that something that you would suggest is reasonable to do or should we just kind of stop traffic altogether until somebody gets there well, I, I guess it's it's going to be, again, that focuses on the safety, right? So if we end up with a, a busy road, we're on um, Highway 2 between Innisfail and Red Deer type of thing, closing that entire highway down for a collision is very difficult and it's very unsafe, right? Traffic backs up so fast and then people are getting impatient and then people are running into people at the end, Um you know, so it, if there is a way that we can get safely get traffic moving, I agree, do what you can, but make sure that you're doing a risk assessment with yourself and the other people who are there and making sure that it's something safe for you, right? Something that you can do that, that you're not going to be hurt or harmed or, you know, I don't, I, I, I hate to see people in the middle of the road and they've got nothing going on and cars are whizzing past them and it's it's scary enough when I'm sitting on the side of the road with my lights on and I feel my whole car rocking on the side of the road because people haven't figured out yet that you slow down to 60. Yeah. Um, and you know sometimes when you come up to the people your client you're dealing with and they're going holy cow and they they finally get it right so as long as you're doing taking part in that and making sure that you're safe then yes, absolutely. But if you feel unsafe or something like that, or, or it's just too narrow or there's just too much or what have you, then you know what, maybe think about it a little bit. So at the end of the day on, on that side for like perimeter and containment and traffic movement, it's, you know, that risk assessment is number one and don't move anything unless you can actually take photos or mark the space where things came to arrest. Cause that will help you guys with your investigation on cause and effect. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So going back to first aid, we talked, we talked a little bit about that, that um, you know, you can make sure that the injured person is 
in a safe space and you're stabilizing them, meaning keeping them still and trying to calm them from their shock, first aid should really only be performed by somebody who has done a certifying course until paramedics can show up, correct? Correct. Like that would be the best way to do it because there is a Good Samaritan Act, but it only protects you for so far, right? Right. So... And, and as first aiders know, you know, if, if they, if the injured party refuses first aid, then you're not allowed to touch them, right? If they're unconscious, that's kind of an assumed consent, um, consent right? So I would be concerned civilly if people are going out and practicing first aid. I, I understand that they're trying to do the best they can and for the, for the situation they're given. But if you're not trained in first aid or something to that effect, it, it does make it a little more difficult and, and you may be a little more liable for anything that happens. And I'm not a professional in first aid, so I'm not ideally the, the best person to talk to on it, but um, you know, definitely make sure that you're, even if you're participating in some first aid to start and someone comes along and says, I know first aid, you know what? Pass over the control to that person. They can ask you to assist, hold this guy's head, stuff like that. They can ask you to do that. But it, as long as you've got someone there that, that is willing or has some training, then you know what? Pass it on to them as quick as you possibly can. And knowing first aid and having an active certification are two different things. Like I took a first aid course 20 years ago. Some stuff has probably stayed with me, but I'm not certified at this point. Right. Right. So I believe it's every three years years. you have to redo um, St. John's first aid or the first aid course. So um, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Um, The last thing I kind of want to get into, well, second last thing I want to get into is there's a lot of times when people are highly involved in being that first on scene, um, sometimes can get in the way when first responders show up, whether it's, it's the police or fire or ambulance or EMS. What should the, the good people who stop to try and help the scene do once you guys all descend on the scene? Okay. So I guess for starters, the, one of the things that we really helps everybody, um, whether it be police, fire, EMS, um, is kind of try and document what you can. What time did you come up on this collision? What if you moved something? What time if you um, started CPR on someone? If you can, you know, if someone's got time or something like that. And whether that be, I took a quick picture of the ground and it's it's quote it there, right? Because your camera will take the time. If you've got notes in your camera, if you've got a notebook or something, you can document, I moved this vehicle or I moved the bike off the opposing lane at this point and I marked where the front tire was, right? So if you can document document the stuff that's happened, because EMS will come and say, how long has he been like this? Well, if you're doing CPR, three minutes can seem like an hour, right? So if you're able to even if someone else is there, hey, mark the time or something like that, uh, just so that we all know what's kind of what's happened and what the timeline is. Um, secondly, when the when the members do get there, 
or members, fire, emergency services, I guess we'll go with. Um, when emergency services get there, try and get out of their way. Let them know what you've done. Try and get out of their way. Stick around just kind of off in the, in the periphery just for a little bit because once they're kind of done the initial assessment and kind of the emergency part, they will come talk to you. Please just have a little bit of patience. Um, there's, there's times when I, we understand you've got places to be, you want to get rolling, um, but it definitely helps us out if you've got a little bit of patience so that we can get that documentation, get what you know, so that we can make a thorough investigation. The EMS folks can get a thorough understanding of where this person was found, what the injuries you observed, what they said, right? Because there's lots of times where by the time EMS gets there, the person may have passed out, but the first initiating first, first aider heard him say, Oh, I'm my, my, I'm having a heart attack or up or my chest is, you know what I mean? So, um, so just a little bit of patience, and I do understand that sometimes when when the emergency services get there, they kind of come barreling in and, and just try and push everybody out of the way, but they really are just trying to do the best for the, for the injured parties. It's kind of like uh, we never like to go to that as seen on TV in this police show or this ER show or whatever, but... When you look at the shows that focus on hospitals and that transition between the ambulance into the hospital, and as that transition happens, the paramedics are telling the doctors what happened. It's kind of that same scenario, whereas if I was the person on scene and I saw them coming in, and, and I've had this, I've been in this scenario a few times, I give them very quick, very black and white Cole's notes, and then step back, I'll be over here when you want to talk more. And, and, and that's perfect. Yeah. And that's probably the way that, you know, we should all train ourselves to, yes, it's great to step in and help out and, and be that person who takes charge and control and, and gets the information that it makes your job easier when you come in, but step back, like quick Coles notes, really important things, and then step back. Well, and we want to get, you know, with the emergency personnel there, we want to get the professionals in. Right. Yeah. So as quick as we possibly can, we want to get those paramedics in because really their training is well beyond what ours is to to deal with something like that. So, um, yes, just having kind of the the self-awareness that, you know what, I, I'm important. I know I'm important. I've got stuff to say, but and we all want to hear it. We absolutely want to hear it. It's just, you know what, we need a little time so that we can do. And part of this goes back to that original risk assessment we talked about when, when you know, someone like you is out there got, directing traffic. Well, okay, we've got to do a risk assessment. The fire guys need to do a risk assessment. The paramedics need to do a risk assessment so that everybody can be, know what's going on. Everybody can be safe and we can set up as, as, as quickly as possible. Again, with maintaining, we want that the health and the wellness of that injured party to be looked after. And you don't want further incidents to happen, of course, because right. dealing with one is enough. And then having multiples because people weren't paying attention to surroundings is unnecessary for lack of well, a better term. You know, for us, one of the, one of the worst things is the looky-loos that are coming the other direction and are 
videotaping or they've got their cell phone out and they're taking pictures of the collision scene on the way by and they're not paying attention and they're you know we've got traffic trying to move here and now the other direction often on a four-lane highway with a divider in the middle is slowing right down and we've got numerous collisions on the other side because people are slowing down or stopping for really no reason. Which begs the question why do you, as a person who knows nothing about what need a video and a picture of somebody else's horrific incident just to post on social media that you never know if that family, if that's the way they found out? Well, and if you come up with the, if you answer that, please let me know so I can share it. I, I know, right? It, it boggles my mind. We had, a, we had a fatal here in Edmonton in early June. And there was a video posted up of somebody going past the scene. And I'm like, if that family hadn't been identified yet and, and let known, now there's like this video evidence of the marks on the walls and the bike lane on the side. And it's, that's not how people want to find out about things. I get that social media has made everything so easily accessible. Think before you post. Exactly. Pretty much it. So we're heading into a long weekend. And long weekends are always challenging on our roadways, whether it's rural or in the city. Some advice going into a long weekend, Brian? Um, I guess the biggest advice for long weekends is is patience. The, the roads are busy. Everybody's busy. Everybody wants to get to where they want to be. They're trying to start their holiday. But you know what, have some patience, drive respectfully, If drive defensively, motorcycle riders specifically, with, with the roads being so busy and with all these, uh, everybody driving their, their RVs and trailers and everything else, there are so many blind spots. Just drive very defensively, be very cautious of where you are, what you can see, um, what you're wearing, you know, try and get some high visibility gear, just so people that, so they can see you, right? Um, yeah, I guess that, you know what, most of our, most of our collisions in that that happen on long weekends are really someone speeding because they're getting impatient or someone's passing on a double solid because they're getting impatient or, you know, really it's just patience. Yeah, exactly. We all can exercise that on so many different parts of our life. I really want to thank you for taking the time to uh, to sit down with us and, and have conversations. Like I said, you you are one of my highlights since starting AMSS. I'm glad that we met. You've been a thank great you. partner to us. And I really appreciate all the time and emails that we've sent back and forth. Just, you know, the partnership's really important and uh, we appreciate it. And thank you. Thank you again for your time today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, and I hope everything goes well. Thank you. To make sure that you don't miss any upcoming podcasts or listen to previous ones, please make sure you follow where you get your podcast ear candy from. If there is a topic that you would like us to cover or a guest that you would think would be great on the show, let us know. How? Well, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, where you will also get more information on motorcycle safety and awareness, or reach out through our website at ab-amss.org. Always remember to ride smart, ride safe, and think bike. We'll see you on the road. 